Welcome to the On Deck Circle, a weekly podcast setting the table with lively baseball banter from two guys who love America's pastime. Let's talk baseball. Welcome back into the On Deck Circle podcast for the week of October 1st, 2023. And this is a little bit of a different episode for us, Alex. In more ways than one. The regular season has concluded. Yes. The Cubs did not make the playoffs. They did not. And you and I are both way south of the Mason-Dixon line. We are. As we we said last week, Atlanta Braves country. We are enjoying the simple goodness of Southern living in the low country of South Carolina. It is nice. We've had plenty of Bojangles and Verners, plenty of time on the beach, time spent with family, time to really reflect and contemplate on the finer things of life. It's amazing how you can process baseball while enjoying seafood six different ways. Oh, so incredible. So because we're on vacation and because the regular season is over, We're kind of mixing up our format a little bit. We're still going to have an agenda every week, but instead of having four items, we're going to shorten it down to three. And just because we have a shortened agenda, uh, Alex was very quick to make sure that just because it's a shorter agenda doesn't mean it's going to be a shorter podcast. So buckle your seatbelts, folks, because what's about to happen is perhaps going to be more than you asked for. And so, without further ado, let's get into our first segment for this week. Leading off. And as we always do in our leading off segment, we're going to look at some good, bad, and ugly. Only this week, we don't just have one good, bad, and ugly. We have multiples. And uh, Alex actually doesn't even really have a good for his good. And I'll let him explain that in just a minute. I have three actual goods for this week. Two, if it, just because of similarities. Uh, my goods for this week... As the regular season concluded, I really loved what happened with Miguel Cabrera and Brendan Crawford in yeah. their final games for their teams, uh, getting their kids involved and in coming out. I mean, for Brendan Crawford, his kids threw out the first pitches. Uh, for Miguel Cabrera, his which, kids came out and escorted him off the field after which, he took a ground ball in the Which eighth one inning. of his kids? Was it from his primary family or his secondary family? I think all of his kids. Even the illegitimate ones that he hasn't claimed? Okay. <laughs> oh, it's a legitimate news story. I this mean. podcast has just got spicy. Anyway, okay. But but anyway, I just thought it was really cool for baseball to acknowledge the contributions, uh, particularly Miguel Cabrera. I mean, I thought Detroit really sent him off yeah. right, yeah. Uh, putting him out in the field, and then without you know not being scripted at all, but having a ground ball immediately to him at first base. Yeah him fielding it cleanly and then making the play at first base. Uh, to me, I just thought that was a really awesome thing for baseball. You, you always want to see your trademark players, your, your upper echelon players go out well. He did it right, too. I mean, every game, except for the last game, he went over 3 he played the field, which was awesome. But he got a hit or an RBI. He had a home run, uh, first game of the homestand over the weekend. I mean, he showed up. And the fans showed up to to wish him off, and to, yeah, it just everything seemed to hit right. Yeah. Um, short of making the playoffs and making a playoff run, I felt like this is the best that they could do, and I think it left a satisfied feeling like this is the end of a a good career, a great career. So here's a question: He ended his career tied with someone for 511 home runs. Yep. Do you think he comes back and tries and gets one more home run and then immediately retires? There's a part of me that wishes that would be the case, but 
don't no. think it's going to happen. He's already he's already graduated to that um, illusory uh, position called special assistant to the general manager, which oh, nobody yeah. knows exactly what that is, but they just get to be around the team as much or as little as they want. Assistant to the vice president of player development and coaching. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so we're going to get to see what his real role is, but I don't think we're going to see him on the field ever again. Okay. So my other good for the week, and this is pertaining to the wild card round, the Philadelphia Phillies have a way of really hyping their fans up when they have wild card games at home. And yeah. to me, I think the ultimate way they did that this past week was Reese Hoskins throwing out the first pitch for game one. Like, all right, just just there, the Phillies were leading 5 nothing before a pitch had even been thrown because yeah. the crowd just ate that up. And yeah. I thought of all the people you could have go out and throw first pitch, one of the heroes of last year's postseason run for the Phillies having him come out and throw the first pitch and him walking out to the mound and being able to throw and there being this optimism that perhaps he may be available for the World Series. To me, I just thought that was the highest note possible the Phillies could have started the postseason on. Yeah, yeah, I so, agree. So uh, <clears throat> between Brandon Crawford and Miguel Cabrera, their, their last games, and then Reese Hoskins throwing out the first pitch of the wild card game for the Phillies uh, Marlin series, I thought those things were excellent high notes for the week and oh honorable mention ronald acuna getting 40 70 if, that, if that's the honorable mention it was a pretty good week well he's a braves <laughs> he's, he's a player for the braves so that's why it's honorable mention but tell us your good alex by all means so uh my good for the week is something that happened almost in the blink of an eye because that's how quick the wild card series were blink of an eye and they were over everybody got their brooms out exactly we'll talk about that more in a little bit but my good is the umpiring behind the plate because in particular in the philadelphia phillies florida marlins game the umpiring behind the plate was so good it allowed Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola to be super efficient uh, with their pitch counts and their um, and their ball to strike ratio. I don't know how difficult it is to be a professional pitcher, but I imagine it's far less difficult when you get to throw strike one without having to throw strike one. <sighs> there were there were so many calls. Pivotal points in the game. Now, the Marlins were not going to probably ever win that series. But when you get to, when you st when you're a when you're a contact baseball team, you don't have power hitters. You don't you know, you have to really work hard to manufacture runs and you're starting uh, counts and artificial 01 counts or when you're starting at bats and artificial 01 counts, it just seems to make the mountain that much steeper to climb. And so Mike might, you know, just shout out to the umpiring because you guys really did the Phillies a solid in allowing Wheeler and Nola to pitch deep into both games. And whatever chance the Marlins had of hanging around was taken away from them. So great job, uh, black and white stripes behind the you know, behind the behind the home plate you uh, you guys really knocked it out of the park and all of that happened without angel hernandez being on the no field. i'm like who are these knuckleheads like i thought we were going to have the best uh, umpires uh, from the season that was uh doing the postseason and the two guys at least in that series appeared to be clowns and it went both ways too i mean there were calls on the other side that were just being that were missed but when you're when you're three inches off the plate and you're calling strike one. I don't know. 
anyway, Skip Schumacher should have got tossed yesterday, but he, he, you know, chose to bite his tongue, but whatever. But talk about a team that didn't do squat for the two games that they were in there. There was no point in either one of those two games where you felt like the Marlins were actually going to win one of these. Now, there were a lot of, there were four teams that got swept, but of all those four teams, they were the ones that you're like, this is, they don't got a shot here. Yeah. All right. So that segues from our good into our bad. My bad is the Cubs and Brewers. Oh, yeah. So somebody in this podcast went on record as saying that the Brewers were an excellent baseball team and that the Cubs were an excellent baseball team. And I would just like to go on record as saying that both of those teams are probably like us sitting beachside enjoying the crashing waves because their season came to a crashing end whether yeah. it whether it being the cubs just not making the postseason or the brewers sending their two studs out against the card i'm sorry against the diamondbacks and just absolutely getting toasted yeah and so i you know cubs brewers those guys are my ugly for or i'm sorry they're my bad for the week i yeah i don't argue with that and i gotta eat that because the cubs had a his, oh you said that i'm the sorry cubs had a historic you know push and then a historic fall from grace which is exactly what happened uh down the stretch and they obviously missed the playoffs and quite frankly a phillies cubs series would have been far more compelling than a phillies marlin series uh at the end of the day uh my bad um my bad for the week um in a similar vein, a lot of pressure is now applied to this remaining team. But the AL East, the AL East uh, had three teams make the playoffs. And in, again, a blink of an eye, they're down to one. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays uh, got swept out of Toronto and the Tampa Bay Rays got swept at home, at home against the Texas Rangers. Yep. And so the vaunted AL East, the strongest of the strong, the, the, yeah, the, the AL beast, is now down to the uh, down to the Orioles, which is going to be a very compelling series, and we'll talk a lot about that probably moving on here in the podcast. But uh, so far, the AL East had a lot of expectation riding on it, and now they still have expectation, but it's much much less than it was going into the week uh, because the two of the three teams are now, like we just said, beachside on yeah. vacation. Exploring the finer things in life. And, and, and I will say, I saw on Twitter, uh, Chris Bassett uh, tweeted out some sort of like, you know, we, it was like, thank you, fans. You know, we're going to do better next time and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, we're we're looking forward to seeing you again. And, you know, the shout out. I mean, I don't know how I don't know, I'm not a Toronto Blue Jays fan, but that just would kind of sting a little bit. Like minutes after we got swept out of the wild card round by the twins who don't have a great track record in the postseason. But they do have Royce Lewis. Royce Lewis. Maybe he's the he's the he changes the fortunes for the Minnesota Twins in a big way. But it's like, oh, you know, thank you. We're sorry we didn't perform. Like, I don't want to hear that. Like, I don't no. want to hear that minutes after we got swept. Like, we didn't perform the way we wanted to. But, but hey, we'll see you in spring training in a few months. Uh, one, just quick tack on to that. Like, there were some really questionable managerial decisions by John Schneider in that game. Yes. Particularly yesterday in the, in the decisive game. Yeah. Jose Barrios doing work, and he gets pulled for Yusei Kikuchi who just proceeds to give the game over to the twins. Yeah. And yeah. why? Like, Barrios is cruising. Hey, but he John, walked a bat. Okay, the leadoff batter in the fourth inning got on. I get it's an elimination game. But John Schneider owned that. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't it make you feel much better knowing he's like, yeah, I need to own that. I made a bad call there. 
and, well, then that's Vlad, great. and then Vlad Jr. getting picked off a of second base. Like, you know, uh, you, good teams at this point of the year survive by doing by doing what's expected. Yeah. Like, well, that was two, that was two not times making yesterday. boneheaded plays but or making two, stupid decisions. Yeah, you know, the Phillies the Phillies game ended up being a rout, but when it was still 3 nothing, you know, Birdie gets picked off second base as well. Like, what, yeah. what what's going on here? Why are we getting picked off second base? <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And especially when both teams are struggling to score runs. <laughs> it's yep, like, come exactly. on. All right, so that brings us to our uglies for the week. Yeah. Mine is Spencer Strider, not his statistics. He did get over 280 strikeouts. He did get 20 wins, correct? He did. So congratulations to him. But, However, but if he had his choice, there would have been no standing ovation when he walked off the field on Sunday. Because earlier last week, Spencer Strider said this when asked if he had any hot sports takes in an interview with MLB Fitz, he said this, quote, absolutely, there should be no fans. 2020 season, no fans. Get rid of the fans. It's too loud. It's too loud. Everybody be quiet. We don't, we don't need the cheering. We know you're watching. I don't need the fans. You stay outside the stadium. I mean, back it up. Let's, let's do like a no lower bowl thing. Upper, upper decks, great. Outfield, phenomenal. We just don't need you around the dugouts. Just try and be quiet. And I was like, hey, he's growing the he's helping grow the game. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. The fans are what make baseball baseball. Yeah. Like, I don't know about you, but during the covid shortened season, when there were no fans in the stands, baseball was depressing to watch because wasn't one of the great, things wasn't it great, though, hearing the echo of the ball off the bat? Echo, go, go. <laughs> I, I thought to myself, like, what what are you doing? Like you're a yeah. preeminent pitcher in baseball yeah. and you're setting yourself up to become like the heel of everything going on in baseball right now. All of the good that's taking place, you have just put yourself in the position of, oh, everybody boo me when I walk into the stadium because of what I've just said. Like you can think that great. You can have that in your opinion. But to articulate that to me, I was just like. Okay, this makes me root for the Atlanta Braves even less. Like, well, if he's on the mound, I am actively rooting against any batter he's facing to just take him deep so he, that he can hear the opposing fans just letting him have it. Well, I think he's going to walk that back. As soon as he takes the bump on Saturday in game one of the divisional series, I would have to imagine he's going to be super glad that Truist Park is packed to the max. With 40,000 plus fans. All doing the tomahawk chop. I mean, I, I would imagine that because we, I mean, we saw over those last couple days, we saw the, the, uh, the value of having a ruckus crowd and the environment that that created in Philadelphia. I think you're going to be super glad that you got the Phillies at home with your fans on Saturday and Sunday or Saturday and Monday than, you know, having an empty bowl to yeah. go pitch in front of. I mean, you're going to be really glad you only have to go to Philly three times in a, or I'm sorry, yeah, two two times in a five-game series. Exactly. You know, exactly. like, if you had to do that the majority of the time, you would be upset. Yeah, he's just tone deaf. And he's probably, you know, he, uh, that's probably his point. Like, well, I just don't want to deal with other people's fans. It is okay, more, it I is get more it. difficult to hear the pitch calm, though. I get it. The people around the dugout probably say stuff you probably don't like about, you know, your appearance and about your mom and like all these other things. Yeah. But seriously, like that's part of that's part of the game. Like, yeah, 
to move the fans away from the game, I think, would shut off a lot of the good things that are taking place in baseball. I saw that attendance was up this year. Yeah. Like, first time in, like, seven or eight years. Yep. A new attendance high. People are watching the games. I mean, baseball is heading in a good direction. Yes. We don't need this sentiment becoming a popular sentiment. Yeah, no, exactly. And and you got to recognize, you know, you're, you're, if you don't win the Cy Young, you're going to be a top two vote getter in the Cy Young Award race. Like and who's going to be voting for you? You're an influential, you're an influential voice in the game and you got to recognize that. Yeah, yeah so, absolutely. Way to go, right. Spencer. So you're ugly. So my ugly is a combo ugly and they're related. Um, it's the, I, I loved having all four games of the wild card series in the same day, but the order of the games did one team in particular no favors, and they needed all the favors. Tampa Bay playing at 3 o'clock on a weekday back-to-back when we know that Tampa Bay has the worst fan base in the league did themselves no favors because at 3 o'clock you had a half-empty stadium for the wild card series and the Texas Rangers deserve all the credit in the world for going in and handling their business on the road in Tampa Bay. But that job was a whole lot easier when nobody was there. Yeah. And so I'm not saying that you should reward Tampa Bay and give them a, like a prime time slot. But like, why were the Brewers and the Diamondbacks playing at six o'clock or six thirty or whatever it was? Why couldn't they have switched those out? Or why you know, why are we playing 3 o'clock on a Tuesday and a Wednesday in Tampa Bay? It just didn't seem to make any sense. And then on the flip side of that, shame on you, Tampa Bay. You just got a deal to get a nice stadium. And what do you do? You show up. You know, your, te- you, you, your team makes the playoffs. You're in the wild card round. And you fill that stadium to maybe 50% capacity, if that. And score one run. And score one run. So, like, it's just like you had a chance. And it's not even on the team. You know, the Texas Rangers are getting hot again at the right time. But the fan base did not do themselves any favors. And and the the problem is we've seen Tampa Bay where they don't show up at all during the regular season, but then they show up with their cowbells in the playoffs. And that place can get rocking. It can. Well, and it it wasn't, and we're never going to know what it could have been like because they're no longer in the playoffs. And so it just I, – I, I take issue with how they laid out the time slots and who they gave specific time slots to because I could guarantee you Philadelphia at 3 o'clock in the afternoon would have been just as rocking. <laughs> I mean, we, <laughs> they probably would have canceled school up in Philadelphia. Exactly. So you could have put them there anywhere. They would have had a home field advantage. Tampa Bay needed some – like needed something thrown their way. They could have put them later in the day, but instead they got the bat lead off and the crowd atmosphere suffered because of it. And so that's a knock on the league. And it's also a knock on the fans of Tampa Bay. You can do better. So that's my ugly. So we move from our good, bad and ugly to our second of three segments on our agenda this week. Now on deck, we want to take a minute to just pay homage to several baseball stars who passed away over the weekend over the last week or so uh brooks robinson for the uh the third baseman for the baltimore orioles passed away at 86 and tim wakefield used to play for the red sox and several other teams passed away at 57 years old just want to talk about the unique contributions that both of those men brought to the sport of baseball and just 
reflect on maybe even some of our memories. Uh, I don't think either one of us were alive to watch Brooks Robinson play, but I know no. that we've all seen that play. Yeah. You know, the backhand falling away, throwing the ball to first base. I would venture to say that he's probably a top five third baseman of all time. Without a doubt. Offensively, defensively, he changed the way that position was played, set the table for people like Nolan Arenado, uh, Scott Rowland, um, Miguel Cabrera, even who was a third baseman uh, in the early part of his career. Uh, you look even now at like Josh Young, uh, Manny Machado, some of those other you know stud third basemen in the league, and they yeah. are the way that they are because Brooks Robinson showed him how show, showed him how third base could be played. Yeah, and it wasn't just a defensive only thing. I mean, he was a prolific offensive force for yeah. the Orioles. Yeah, no, I agree. It's it's. I mean, it, like I said, we we can't relate totally because you know this was way before our time but you have to give credit where credit is due um he was known as the human vacuum cleaner that's a good nickname which is a great thing to be called when you're a third baseman he won 16 consecutive gold glove awards at third base that i mean that just <laughs> speaks for itself that's legendary uh he played only for the orioles uh he played for 23 years so he had longevity uh he was an 18-time all-star led the Orioles to six postseasons, won two World Series. He won the MVP in 1964. I mean, he just, he was an amazing, amazing third baseman. And yeah. uh, baseball has lost a great resource in Brooks Robinson. I know that he was on staff with the Orioles and did some things in their front office. They've lost a great mentor and, and guide and just person to have around to be able to talk to younger players. And uh, so, you know, you just you, you think of some of his stats. So he had twenty eight hundred plus hits. Uh, he had two hundred and sixty eight home runs. So he wasn't a wasn't an, uh, an especially prolific home run hitter. Career batting average of two sixty seven. OK, he wasn't a huge on base guy, but it, it was what he did in the field and the clutchness yeah. he had the clutch gene. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, that's Brooks Robinson. Anything you want to add about Brooks? Honestly, I don't know. I mean, I just, it's hard to talk about a guy. I have much more to talk about Tim Wakefield because that kind of stung this week, quite honestly. Because I was like, Tim Wakefield is somebody like I did watch. And yeah. I watched you look, you know, he started playing in 92. So literally, when I'm starting to get into baseball, he's starting to pitch for the Boston Red Sox. And the fact that he died at 57. Died of brain cancer. That's tough. It is. Like where you're just like, okay, this guy's. He doesn't feel like he should be dead yet uh, because he's still a young, he's still a younger guy. Uh, he's obviously not in the league anymore, but I think, you know, obviously Tim Wakefield was a knuckleballer and a very prolific knuckleballer. He's one of the last really accomplished knuckleball pitchers that we've seen in the league. Um, I know R.A. Dickey kind of messed around with the knuckleball for a while, but you know, Tim Wakefield, not a, you know, he was a one-time all-star, won the World Series twice. He was a 200-game winner. I mean, that's, you know, he has exactly 200 wins and 180 losses. And I think we can all, I, I just remember growing up as a kid when we would play the Red Sox. And it was baffling because you're like, how can you not hit this pitch? <laughs> He's floating it up there at like 60 miles an hour. How can you not hit this? But man, that knuckleball could dance and it just threw you off. And obviously, you know, eventually you kind of figured it out and his ERA speaks to such. I mean, he only had, 
one full season where his ERA was under three, and he had only had one other season where his ERA was under four. And so his ERA danced in the fours or low fives. But he was remarkably effective at what he did, and he mastered his craft, and he pitched for 19 years from wow. the age 25 to age 44. It's awesome. And the fact that he passed away this year just kind of just stings because you're like, wow, like, yeah, that's not – he just doesn't feel like guys that – you and I grew up watching should be passing away already. At least not yet. Not yet. And they, and they are. And obviously this is a, this is an extraordinary situation with brain cancer and everything else, but it's just like, wow, talk about a guy, you know, kind of gone, gone too soon here. I remember, you know, back in the nineties when the Orioles, I'm sorry, when the Red Sox and Yankees were duking things out, it seemed like every year, one of them was the wild card and the other was the division winner. Yes. Some of those iconic series, I remember Tim Wakefield taking the mound. You know, yeah. Tim Wakefield, Kurt Schilling, Pedro Martinez, yes. or, you know, Pedro and Tim and whoever. Talk about a variety of arms there. Oh, man. Incredible. Like, yeah, good luck trying to figure out that lineup. I remember him coming out of the bullpen, particularly in one of the playoff games. Yeah. And you go from, like, a starting pitcher who's throwing 90-plus to this guy who's got a fastball in the 80s and a knuckleball who, who knows where it's going to go and what it's going to do. And I remember... Yeah. You know, <laughs> the catcher having to switch out gloves because yes, you, the guys, you, you never knew where he was going to throw the ball because it was a Veritech knuckleball. Veritek who had the special glove to <laughs> Yeah, Jason Veritek. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was awesome. It was awesome to see MLB embrace both of these people who passed away. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of tributes, particularly in Baltimore for Brooks Robinson. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, George Kirby. Seattle Mariners pitcher, yeah. uh, he threw a knuckleball in yeah. his start on Sunday to kind of honor Tim Wakefield. And I think it'd be awesome if Tim Wakefield's death produces a new generation of knuckleballers, not yeah. just to throw the pitch, but to like try and master it and utilize it, you know, against, against guys throwing a hundred, yeah. a knuckleball can be a really useful pitch as just like a, Hey, try and hit this now to totally mess up a batter's timing. And I know there's so much, like there's so much uh, talk about blisters on fingers and knuckleballs. I mean, you don't throw knuckleballs without being really tough on your hands and on your fingertips in particular. And, um, and so I get that, but at the same time, there have been guys in history, not a lot, but it's a remarkably effective, like change up the pace type, you know, literal change up, to, you know, to to what we see here. And, and in the day and age where we've already talked about this in the podcast, where guys are throwing as hard as they can and they're tearing their UCLs and they're getting Tommy Johns. Guess who never had to have Tommy John? Tim Wakefield. Tim Wakefield didn't have to have Tommy Johns. Right. So and so salute to both of those men. Yes, exactly. And hats off. And again, yeah, just. It's it, it it just feels different when you're like, yeah, no, I, I watched the majority of Tim Wakefield's career yeah. and now he passed away. So, well, that uh, that that'll segue us into future down as we prepare for the division series to start. And uh, so let's let's talk about that in the hole. The NLDS and the ALDS start this Saturday and we want to kind of preview the matchups and give you our picks and duration for the series. So, uh, Alex, I'll start with you. I'm going to list off these teams. I want you to tell me who you think's going to win the series and in how many games they're going to win the series. All right, AL or NL? Let's do AL first. American League. We've got Houston and Minnesota. I believe Houston is the home team. They are, and I think Houston's going to win that in five games. Ooh. Uh, maybe four. Okay. 
I think the I think the fans as they're leaving Target Field yesterday chanting "We want Houston" will come to regret that almost immediately. I think that series is going to depend a lot on what the Astros rotation looks like behind Verlander and Valdez. I think I, I totally agree. I totally agree. If but Christian Javier can be like the Christian Javier of last year in the postseason. I don't think I, I think it's over in three. They won't do this. But if I was Dusty Baker, I would almost consider pitching Javier at home and saving Verlander for the road in in, in tar- target field just to have a, a guy who's been there, done that, yeah, dominated the Twins <laughs> in his career and just say, you know, we're going to send him out in game three and break their will. It's a smart idea. But anyway. Um, so I think Houston sweeps them. I, I really I, I say five because I don't want to predict a sweep. But well, I just, yeah. And part of my predicament is, OK, so Houston hasn't played in a week. Right. Last year, teams that had buys did not fare particularly well coming off those buys. Yeah. So I could totally see. I mean, Minnesota's got momentum. Yeah. I just don't know. Did so, you see Alex Bregman? in the locker room after they on the last game of the series, last game of the season when they clinched the division before they popped the bottles. They're like, people were wondering what it would look like for uh, the Houston Astros not to win the division. And then he's like, I guess we'll never know. (laughs) (laughs) And they popped, they popped the champagne. That's fantastic. All right. So the second series is Baltimore Orioles and Texas Rangers. Okay. My gut says that we're on a Texas Houston ALCS collision course collision course. And so I'm going to say Texas is going to win in seven because mm. I think the Orioles are going to give them business. The problem is it's a five game. Series. Oh, no, sorry. Five. And so, so, okay. Oh, okay. I, t- I, I, let me, let me walk that back. Okay. So I messed that up completely. So Houston's going to win in three. <laughs> Okay. And Texas, so Houston's going to sweep the Houston's twins. going to sweep the twins. Texas is going to win in five. Wow. Okay. So. Well, we disagree because I think Baltimore is going to win in five. Okay. Um, I could see, I mean, you know, the Rangers again, they've got momentum. They've just played the Orioles haven't played in a week. I don't know how that'll affect young guys yeah. of which the Orioles have a plentitude of them. Uh, but I think they're starting pitching and bullpen are what's going to carry them. Yes. The Rangers have already burned Nathan Yavaldi and yes. Jordan Montgomery, so they're not that's, starting that's game a problem. one. Yes. So the Orioles have three legit starting pitchers with legit stuff that can shut you down, and they have an excellent bullpen. The Rangers do not have an excellent bullpen. That is true. And I think that spells disaster when you look at the resilience of the Orioles. So I think the uh, Orioles will take it in five. I think it's going to be Baltimore and Houston in the CS. So, yeah, so I, I'm, I agree with everything you just said. For just some reason, gut. the narrative of Houston – Texas in the ALCS just seems to be really compelling. So, okay, let's move National League. We'll go with the juicy matchup first. Arizona Diamondbacks, Los Angeles Dodgers. I really want to think the Diamondbacks could win one. Like, I really do. But again, Gallon just pitched. So, I don't, I I don't think the NL could have shaken out any worse. Because so basically you've got an NL West matchup and an NL East matchup. Well, yeah, that's all you have. And so I, I, I'm going to say the Dodgers in four. Ooh. 
Because Merrill Kelly did not pitch, so yeah, he'll start Saturday. So he'll start. He'll probably lose. <laughs> but it's like the Dodgers I, have had his number this year. The, the, like I feel like I feel like if Arizona could win one in Arizona, okay, and then they lose Game Four. So Dodgers and four. Dodgers and four. I think Dodgers and four is safe. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Dodgers and four. Give them a game. But I think you know Clayton Kershaw looked has looked really good the last couple starts. Bobby Miller has looked really great. Julio Urias is gonna. Oh right. wait! Oh, oh wait! No, he's not um, gonna be pitching. But but you look at you know <laughs> so Lance Lynn will probably start in that series, yes. and then you've got a whole host of young bullpen arms coming out. Whether it's Emmett Sheehan, Ryan Pepio, uh, I think you just have a lot of, and and the top four guys in that order: Mookie, Freddie, Max, or Will Smith. And J.D. Martinez, all four of those guys, if they are hitting well, you're not going to stop them. But the one team, though, I will say this. The one team in the wild card round that did themselves a lot of favors by winning where they did and how they did was the Diamondbacks. Yeah. They won in Milwaukee. They handled their business. That series was as lopsided. Like, I mean, it was as lopsided as any of them. Uh, as any of the four uh, the four series, and so I just think that they did if they they needed to build momentum going to L.A. like they needed to. <laughs> the Brewers, <laughs> by so, no means, have an excellent offense. No, 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 they don't. But I'm just saying, like it just like they like Christian Walker looked good, Corbin Carroll looked good, and they got to keep it rolling, you know, into L.A. and they got to put up runs if they're gonna if they're gonna win. And yeah. so you know, so give them credit. They, you know, they did what they had to do. We'll see if it works this next weekend. All right. So the last matchup is a rematch of last year's NLDS, and it is the Philadelphia Phillies against the Atlanta Braves. Thoughts? Um, I hate the Phillies. Wow. With a passion. <laughs> and they're really easy to hate. Like, they, they make it easy to hate. I was sitting with my father-in-law watching exactly whatever the the testicle grab thing they do at second base which i don't care for uh from major league you know from major league the movie it's not that it's balance you're trying to balance told, a little bit of this a little I bit told of that my father-in-law it's going to be a stressful postseason putting forth the energy into whoever rooting for whoever the phillies are playing like i'm going to exhaust myself this postseason that being said i am a i am a unbiased clear-headed man <laughs> the Phillies are going to win in five okay and that pains me that's why I had to preface it that way I despise the Phillies but I think they're going to win in five it's a gutsy call my friend and so that's well, where we're at okay so Philly, Atlanta. Let me break it down. Okay, so Spencer Strider starts Saturday. Who starts after that? Well, supposedly Max Fried's coming back. But they're talking about starting him once every 12 days, once every six days, giving him more rest than usual. So he's starting once in the division series. Yeah. Strider pitches the first game. He could probably come back and pitch the fourth game, fifth game maybe. Fifth game probably. If he could come back and pitch games one, two, three, four, and five, I think the Braves would have a legit shot. Bryce Elder has been decent this year. I think Braves fans would probably feel like him, would probably feel about him the way I feel when Craig Kimbrell comes into the game. This could either go really well or this could go really bad. Charlie Morton's not coming back for the division series. Here's, 
there, and he's, he's the other critical piece to this rotation that he's got to be there because he's the veteran anchor of the rotation. Well, and I don't trust the Braves' bullpen. Their offense can hang with anybody, but if Wheeler and Nola look like they did facing the Marlins and hitting their spots and not giving up home runs and going deep into the game and not exposing the Phillies' bullpen, I mean, the Phillies' bullpen is so rested right now. Because they didn't have to use any of their high leverage because arms that, and high leverage situations. Because of, the, because of that phenomenal home plate umpiring in games one and two. So you look at that, and to me, I think the Phillies take care of this in four. But I think that's not the that's not the formula for the Braves. The formula for the the Braves are not concerned about who's pitching game one and two. The Braves are concerned about mashing whoever the Phillies are going to roll out there in game one and two. But the problem because and, and we saw Wheeler's going to come back in game three and Nola's going to come back in game four. But you got to put up 20 runs and you got, you know, your 40 home run bombers, you know, the B-52 bombers that are the Atlanta Braves need to drop their loads night after night at bat after at bat against whoever is on the bump for the Phillies. Azuna's got to hit some. Uh, 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 Matt Olson's got to hit some. Uh, Acuna's got to hit. Some. That's the that's the formula. So they got to drop thirteen runs on him in game one and be like, doesn't matter who we have going in game two, we're gonna beat your brains out. The series will be determined by the first innings because the Braves had the top scoring offense in the first inning in baseball this year. Who's pitching game three for the Phillies? The Phillies. Or game one for the Phillies. I mean, the Phillies gave up the most runs in the first inning in baseball this year. So if the Phillies can stop the Braves from scoring in the first inning, I think they win the series quicker. If they have games where the Braves score runs in the first inning, I think it drags it out and takes longer. You know what? You've convinced me. Atlanta's 3-0 in this thing, man. They're going to take this in three games, and it's over. And we're going to be doing the tomahawk chop together next week in the studio when we're back. I'm changing Over my pick. my dead body. Over, I'm, take, I'm going, I just, I'm taking it. And it, and when the Phillies so win. So it's going to be Atlanta Dodgers. It's going to be Atlanta and the Dodgers in in the you know NLCS. And I'll take the Dodgers to sweep the Phillies when they make it. And I'll take whoever's in the American League to sweep <laughs> when the Phillies make it to the World Series. Wow. I'm just... I'm just done. <laughs> so, uh, who is going to pitch? Is Ranger Suarez going to take the bump? Who's pitching game one? I would say probably either Ranger or Taiwan Walker. Uh, not Michael Lorenzen. No. <laughs> Michael Lorenzen Michael will Lorenzen. be utilized for long relief situations or blowout situations. Here's a question. Why are you guys the way you are? And by you guys, I mean Philly fans. Like, why are you the way you are? We are a passionate bunch. We <laughs> love it when our team succeeds. And there is not a lower experience in the world than when our team stinks. Yeah. So I agree. Go Phillies. Okay, you are going to be muted. <sighs> Peace and quiet. All right. Well, that wraps up our edition of the podcast for this week. Wild card style. No baseball to watch today. Man, I, just can't, I can't stress. The wild card round was a snoozer. It just stunk. It was exciting to watch the Phillies do work. Okay, if your team won, you're as happy as Clem. It was exciting to watch the of, Diamondbacks play good baseball. If you're a generic baseball. fan of baseball, you saw nothing compelling. <laughs> like well, no, no extra threes. innings, no tight games. And you're none right. of those teams, none of the teams were close to forcing game three. So here's a discussion for future weeks. 
Should MLB consider revising their postseason format? Going back to the old time, old school. Like, let's roll the clock back to when oh. fewer teams made the playoffs. And that's something we can talk about in another podcast. No but, divisions. We only do the top two teams play for the pennant. <laughs> well, that does it for us this week, folks. Uh, watch some great baseball this weekend. The playoffs are here. And as one of my friends said, there is nothing better than playoff baseball. Baseball, playoff baseball is better than playoff football. So yeah, <laughs> do yourself a favor and turn off the NFL and turn on baseball this weekend and enjoy some of the postseason Atlanta wonderful let me down (laughs) and until next time we're out of here